Good afternoon, everybody. We welcome you on to yet another episode of Off the Hardwood. I'm your host, Sam Mastin, joined over Zoom, as always, by my good friend, Tyson Gilbert. Tyson, how we feeling, baby? Man, we're feeling good. We're feeling good. Uh, we, got a, we got a special one for you guys today. Yeah, day eight down in the lower 48 from my man Tyson, just keeping it real, adjusting back to reality down here. Um, okay, so we now welcome on a very special guest. We have Nick Cosmider on the show. He covers the Denver Broncos and the Denver Nuggets for the Athletic uh, magazine and website. Before that, he was at the Denver Post, and then he covered grassroots basketball at Prep Hoops Colorado, which is how we know him. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome on Nick Cosmider. Nick, how we doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's great to see you guys. It's great yeah. to see you guys. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, man. We're excited to have Nick on the show today to talk a little Nuggets playoff action, talk about his career and got how he got to where we are. Um, so I guess we'll kind of just jump right into it, man. Obviously, before we get into the Nuggets and that kind of thing, um, before your time at The Athletic, you worked at the Denver Post. Um, so I guess kind of just talk about your early journalism career and then kind of your time at The Post and what that was like for you. Yeah. I mean, so, so my deal was like, you know, I always, always around sports as a kid. I, I was never, I played basketball in high school, was never as talented as you guys was never like a, an all state type player. I was that six foot five kid, but only weighed 150 pounds. And so, you know, I was trying to bang with big dudes and it just, you know, it just didn't work. And this was in like early two thousands when this whole wave of like, Hey, let your big guys shoot thing hadn't really caught on yet. So coaches are like, Oh, if you're six foot five, you have to play low. That's just the way it is. There was no positionless basketball. So, but anyway, you know, I kind of always wanted to be around, you know, around sports after that. And it was about that time you realize, yeah, I'm not going to play this game professionally or any game professionally. And so my whole thing was, you know, how, how do I stay involved? I, I thought up for a while about being in sports medicine, um, you know, realized I was a little bit too squeamish around some of that stuff. <laughs> so ultimately, you know, I always had kind of a knack for writing and, and those, so those two things kind of just merged and, once I decided that's really what I wanted to do, uh, which was when I was getting ready to go to college at Arizona State, um, you just went all in on it. And and really, it, what's interesting about this business is that you just never know like what twists and turns it's going to take for you. Um, you know, for example, when I finished college, the first main internship I got, the first big break I got was covering the Rockies for MajorLeagueBaseball.com. Um, and it was this internship that they did every year where every that every team so 30 major league teams got paired with um college writer got paired full-time writer for that for that team i think it was and got to sort of see get the taste for like what covering pro sports was all about you know how to build relationships in the locker room um you know how to get guys to that'll you know just be in the relationship it's just about you know being honest if you're going to be critical you know, you, you make sure you're doing it in a fair way that's never personal. And, and most athletes, I think, respect that. So th that was just kind of how it all started for me. And, um, you know, by being in Denver that year, I met my wife and eventually just, um, you know, kind of stuck around. Uh, I was in Texas for a little while, worked at a newspaper where I covered Texas Tech basketball before they were good. Um, and so it's, it's just been kind of that journey that's taken all those kind of twists and turns and that eventually um, you know, brought me to the post, but I, I think the biggest thing has always just been, um, you know, finding ways to do what you love and, and to, to, you know, to me, sports is about relationships. It's about being around people. It's about getting to know people. Um, and if, if you're, if you can do that, like that, that really can carry you in this business. 
Sure, that's awesome. That's that's super cool. So, towards the end of um, your career at the Post, you started uh, writing for Prep Hoops, and that's where you covered prep and and grassroots basketball in Colorado. So, talk a little bit about the transition um, you made from covering pro- professional athletes to, to to guys like us. Yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. So, so kind of the way that worked was when I was at the Post at the time. You guys remember would remember this better than I would. I think it was. Um, I think one of the first events I went to was like a, like one of those June team camps, I think. Um, and it was I was maybe somewhere in Parker or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the first one I met you yeah, at was uh, that Continental Centennial Challenge. That was at Heritage. That's mm. what it was. Yeah, I remember That's that one. Yeah, yeah. You were going into your sophomore year yeah, at Rock Canyon. Yeah, yeah like, sophomore. It's crazy how much time flies. You are you're getting ready for your – like, so what, your fifth year? Fifth, it'll, fifth be, college it'll, be my red, it'll be like my redshirt junior year technically with COVID. My fourth year of college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like, I mean, that's how the time goes. Right. So at the time at the post, I was kind of doing a job where I was like working, you know, what's called production. So I was doing like, um, you know, anything that came like stories that come from the, the associated press or like, you know, the, these different wire services, you know, it was my job to kind of take these, to edit them down to the space that we would have in the paper, you know, to, to line up all the box scores, you know, so kind of doing this like behind the scenes type work before they put me on a full-time writing job. And so for me, I was like, well, I want to still be, I want to still be writing. Like one of the things about this is like, don't let anybody ever tell you can just do one thing. Like you, you can do whatever really you want. And so for me, it was like, okay, I got this job at the post, but, but I want to be out there, you know, kind of continuing to get that rep. Cause like I said, so much of this job is just about building relationships. And so to me, I'm like, I can't just be in this office. I got to get out there and do something. And so prep hoops was something that started in Minnesota and the guys there wanted, had this you know kind of grand idea to, to, they looked around the landscape and said, you know, nobody's really covering basketball year round. And in a lot of places, including Denver, even during the season, high school season, it wasn't being covered that much. It wasn't too long ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago where, newspapers were big enough to where they were covering main main games all the time right yeah. well staff cuts have happened so to where you're really only like playing these um covering these games when it's in like state championships or whatever True. uh for us it was this idea of like hey we like people are playing basketball year round people care about it year round um and and you guys know you're always playing you're never not mm-hmm. playing so like why not cover this why not you know, get people involved in, in that sort of community. And so to me, that was one of the more rewarding things that I've done just because I felt like we built something. There just really wasn't that, you know, Matt Langley at Basketball Colorado has been doing his thing for, for a while and he's done a good job with it too. Um, but it was the first chance that I think we had to really kind of, you know, build something. And it was, it was cool just, be, you know, again, guys like you who are, you know, great athletes, but, you know, didn't, didn't act like it, you know what I mean? Didn't act like, it, it's just fun to talk to people like that. And, and so to me, kind of meeting you guys, you know, meeting your parents, your coaches, uh, it really is a cool community. You know, Colorado gets, gets knocked a lot sometimes for, you know, not having X amount of draft picks or whatever, but the basketball here, the basketball community is awesome. And for, for me, you know, it was just such a cool thing to kind of, again, get to know that community sort of firsthand. No, nah, for sure. It was, it was really cool. Just, um, kind of just just seeing something that like that just like come up as we were as we were going through high school because I mean there was there was not really any anything of that sort and I remember Sam can attest to this like anytime we'd, we'd uh, be in a tournament we'd be like all right prep hoops is here we gotta we gotta get it right but <laughs> um, prep hoops that goes into my neck busy 
they had to get busy for sure get in the bag a little bit you got to but, and you got and, I, and then, you know the cool thing too is that, like they're you know like uh nick carroll the guy that started it in minnesota you guys got to know him a little bit too but just i mean just one of these dudes that is like i have this vision and like nobody is gonna like stop me from doing it and when you think about it like on the grand scale of what he did which is you know, build up the the writing, right? The website side in all these different states, but then there was the end side, right? So a lot of times we were covering, you know, state championships, we were covering some AAU uh, tournaments, but a lot of times we were covering our own events, um, you know, that really we we hadn't seen in Colorado like that for, for a while where a lot of, you know, a lot of AAU teams were ducking each other and stuff like that. Our goal was like, hey, let's, you know, let's get everybody together and let's actually play. And, you know, I don't know if we always got that, but we got close. I, I think sure. we got close to having a lot of, a lot of you guys, a lot of the top players playing one another, like a lot of times during the spring and summer, um, you know, maybe more so than there had been before. And to me, that's, that's what it's all about. Like if you're going to play year round, you might as well, you know, play and compete. So I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm curious from, from your guys' perspective, as you guys have now gotten into college and, and kind of look back at it now, do you, I mean, that, that life of playing year, you know, year round, month in, month out, you know, hundreds of games a year. Um, do you look back on it with a lot of fondness? Do you look back on it and saying, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it was too much at times. How, how do you kind of view that experience now as you look back on it? Yeah, I think looking back, I, I'm definitely very thankful for it. I think it was a ton of mm -hmm. fun. And sometimes in the moment when you're playing that many games, it's such a, like a grind on your body and your mind. And like, there's so many times where you, look at it from like a pressure perspective in terms of like, okay, I need to get, you know, a college scholarship. Or I need to perform well to get, you know, exposure and this and that. But I think looking back on it, like all those memories that you had playing with those dudes and playing even against a lot of guys that were your, your mm -hmm. close friends. And I think that's stuff that makes basketball so enjoyable. And that's stuff that when you get to college, like it's not, it's not like that anymore, you know, and you miss doing that and you miss, you know, just, hardly practicing just going out and playing every weekend you know and as a dude that mm -hmm. loves basketball and grew up loving basketball it's like that's why you know you work so hard and do all those things and so you can go out and enjoy it in tournaments like that and so it was definitely a grind at times but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade those experiences I had for anything you know because those were some of the best times of my life and I definitely I think Tyson would say the same thing too no for sure for sure Sure. I mean, that's where I've met some of my closest friends is just, it's just playing basketball. Like that's where I met Sam and, and, um, and we're still, I mean, we're still good friends today. So, I mean, I, there were some of the, the, the best memories that I, I still have. And I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, take any of that for granted. And I'm just very thankful that I was able to go through that experience for sure. Yeah. But um, that goes into my next question. So did you, did you have a favorite pet player team? Um, player duo that you covered throughout your, your time at prep hoops. This is a little bit of a you, trick question, man. Yeah. Yeah. You could be a little biased if you want. <laughs> oh, you guys are putting me on the spot, man. Well, I'll tell you what, what, what's, what's interesting about it, right. Is there were some teams and coaches who like got on board real quick. And like, I think most of them did, right. Because most of them are in the game, the same game, right. Like we want to help kids get exposure. We want, we want to help, um, you know, get the, get kids in front of college scouts, college coaches, and have this idea of like the more that we can get their names out there, the better, the better that is. Um, you know, one of the things I think that from my perspective, like when we ran it was like everybody, the, the reason you do rankings is, is because like a people will write, read it. Right. I mean, bottom line, everything is, everything is a business. There's a business aspect to everything. People will read it. People will want to like subscribe and log in to, to read it. But to me, like, 
there was never any way you were going to get that 100% right. Right. Like as yeah. much time as I spent in the gym and as much time as like, you know, you, you try to spend time talking to coaches um, it's, it's going to be impossible to get that right. Because really some of that stuff is subjective anyway. Like, even if you, even if you saw every single game, saw every single player, you're like, it's kind of like ice cream. Like my flavor might be a little more of what Tyson does. Somebody else's flavor might be a little bit more of what, what Sam does. And so to me, it was just like, you, you had a little bit sometimes of pushback, but I always felt like it was in pretty good natured, like debate, right? Like people would be like, I can't believe, I can't believe you left my guy off and, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and usually he wouldn't be off. He'd be like, you know, number 11 instead of, you know, he'd be like, you should be number eight or number seven, at least he's better than all those dudes. And it's like, okay, well that's, again, that's subjective, but I always, you know, Tyson, I love covering your program because, you know, Dave's crazy, but he is, he's one of those guys that he is just going to give you every literature that you yep. need. He's going to give you every little bit of information, um, that you need. And, and so for, from our perspective, like the more information I have, the more helpful it is. So that was always good. And then, sure. You know, you're, you're, um, you know, Sam or not, um, was that, yeah, that was your class, right? 2018. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that, I mean, that team for you guys was, was loaded and was always a ton of fun to watch. And Sim is my guy. So like, you know, I, I was always just, you know, texting him, talking on the phone, like, you know, he'd break down every single game, um, you know, with me and stuff like that. Whenever you guys were on the road, even I, I never really got a chance to, to kind of hit that Adidas gauntlet or anything like that, just, you know, travel, travel stuff like that. I didn't get to quite do, but um, it was kind of always plugged into what you guys were doing. Um, I always did a pretty good job of filming stuff. Um, so there was always pretty good video available for that too. And I think some of your guys' games were even live streamed during the Adidas stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm not, not just because I'm on the pod with you guys, but I would say your guys' 2018 teams, that just that's class in general. Mm. I mean, just a lot of talent, a lot of good competitors, and you guys are just cool dudes. And so to me, that was that was probably the most fun class. Well, that's awesome, man. I we we appreciate that as some fellow 2018ers. That uh, that goes a long way. But no, nah, man, that's cool. That's cool <laughs> to sure. hear you say all that. And it's uh it's crazy for us, man, because it's been a while since we were even, you know, getting recruited and all that. It's been four or five summers now, so it's good to mm. kind of look back and reflect on that. It's definitely it's definitely cool, man. But uh, all right, let's switch gears a little bit here because I know some of the listeners are going to want to hear this. So you now cover the Nuggets professionally. That's like your that's one of your gigs. So we're going to take this as the official playoff prediction podcast of the city of Denver. Like we expect <laughs> high ratings on this one. So when you look no at the problem. Nuggets playoff preview, obviously very interesting season with, you know, Jamal Murray going down and all different kinds of injuries here and there. Give me your basic thoughts as the Nuggets aim towards the postseason here. Well, I think first, the thing that you just have to say is that regardless of what happens in the playoffs, this was one of the most, I think, incredible regular seasons in the franchise's history. Um, you know, they've they've had a be they've had better records before and they've had higher seedings. They're probably going to end up as the three seed, depending on how their Sunday night game goes. There's a lot of uh, coming down to the last day of the season. There's a lot of like weird potential tankings and, and lineup changes that could allow teams to manipulate who they face in the first round. But all of that aside, I, I think this is a team that just has been so incredible to watch. And, and one of the cool things about covering the Nuggets is I got to start doing that off and on um, during Nikola Jokic's second season. So in 2016, late in 2016 is when I first started covering that team. And, um, you know, the thing about it was that this was a guy who you could clearly tell was 
super skilled, right? Uniquely skilled in terms of what he could do as a seven footer stuff. You just weren't seeing a, a lot, even in the NBA. And so you, you kind of always had the sense of like, he's going to be really good. But to me, I always thought like, okay, there's a certain ceiling to this, right? Because he's only so athletic. So he's going to be a, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a solid player. And then he just kept getting better every single year. And he would come back and you'd be like, I, I kept thinking this guy had already reached a ceiling. And to me, that is such a testament of like, again, like don't let people put limitations on what, what you can be. Um, he just kept getting better. And, and so to me, watching him this season, I'm sure you guys have gotten to see a lot of games of his as well. But just I think it'll always be remembered as this. He'll be the first Nugget player ever to win MVP. Um, he's going to be the, 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 the lowest, uh, lowest ranked draft pick to ever win MVP. He was the 41st pick way back in 2014. Um, so to me, just, just it, I'll always remember the season as him. It, it's just been incredible to see him play. And then you brought up Sam, um, you know, Jamal Murray's injury about 20 games ago, you know, here's a guy that dragged them to the Western conference finals last year with the way that he played in the bubble was just unbelievable going toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell, you know, trading 50 point games, um, you know, just doing, just doing everything that was needed from him and just exploding and, and kind of having his coming out party. So you're saying, okay, they get back to the playoffs. This is where Jamal Murray shines. That's where, that's where he's going to make, you know, kind of make his name once again. And then he goes down and you're thinking, oh, they're, you know, they got to hold on to their playoff spot. Hopefully they can avoid the play-in and instead they just keep winning. And to me, that's, it's, it's representative of the culture that Michael Malone has built for that team. That um, They've always had a lot of resiliency. And then I think we saw it more than ever this year. So I think that's where it starts is just this season in particular, I think has been, really special. And, and I know fans want to, to see this team, you know, win it all. And, and I, that's certainly still the goal that they have. And, and I think have even with Jamal Murray out uh, now their, their margin for error is a lot smaller. Um, but I, I think they, because of Jokic, because of the, the deep supporting cast still have that opportunity, but I think irrespective of any of that, I, I think Nuggets fans should take kind of take a pause before these playoffs begin and kind of reflect and say, man, this, this season, especially with everything going on with, with COVID and all that, um, was a special one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. For sure. And you were talking about that um, supporting cast, and a, a big a big piece of that supporting cast is uh, the um, the addition of Aaron Gordon. So can you just talk about the the change in dynamic and just the, the overall impact that he's had on, on the Nuggets organization? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you got you, – you saw last year, right, that, um, you know, Jeremy Grant, when it came to the playoffs – sort of his length and versatility was something that they really, that they really needed, really relied upon. Right. Because in the NBA, every team has a, a dynamic wing score. That's like six foot seven, you know, handles the ball, like a point guard shoots the three um, you know, they're not all Michael Porter's, you know, length and height, but there's guys like that on every team, especially when you get in the playoffs. Um, and so what you really need is a long rangey defender who can kind of, um, you know, sort of be, be a Swiss army knife who could, who can switch, who can, you know, play multiple roles on the defensive end can be a small ball five. If he needs to be, um, you know, can, can guard, can guard small forwards on the perimeter. That's what you need. And so when Jeremy Grant decided not to re-sign with the nuggets, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people, they were sort of missing that. That was one thing that they didn't have going throughout the year. And, you know, Will Barton's certainly a good defender, but he's, he's dealt with some of the injury issues. Michael Porter Jr. is gifted as he is to offensively is still kind of learning how to be a, a defensive player in, the, in at the pro level. 
Um, and so they needed that. And Aaron Gordon is a guy who, look, I mean, the talent is, is there. He was the number two overall draft pick uh, in 2014. He, he's got that kind of talent, but he's just never played in a winning situation before. The Magic have been a losing team for most of his career. I think they made a playoffs a couple years as the eighth seed. Um, but, but a guy who I, I think, again, has that length, has that versatility, has the athleticism to where I think you're going to see his biggest contributions come if they're to play, you know, the Lakers, like nobody's going to stop LeBron James, but you have to have a guy that can at least be switchable. that can at least give them multiple looks. And, and I think they've seen that defensively since he joined the team, they've been a lot better on that end. And the good thing for them is like, they don't need him to be 15, 16 points a night, you know, score 10, get eight rebounds and just defend your butt off. And right. so far that's what he's done. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what that's going to look like in the playoffs. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So you, you kind of touched on, I was a huge Gary Harris guy. So it was tough because I'm a big Michigan state fan. So it was tough to see him go, but obviously I think Gordon's benefited them substantially. And I think he will for years to come, but you kind of touched on this earlier. Um, so when you look at the playoff picture right now, obviously there's one game left in the regular season. Um, Nuggets finished the season on Sunday in Portland, and then they're tied for the three seed with the Clippers who play OKC. Um, so depending on kind of how that finishes up, they could either get the Mavs who are at the five spot or play the Blazers again, probably the Blazers. I mean, the Lakers still kind of have a chance, but more than likely would be Portland. Um, who would you, who do you think would kind of be the best first round matchup for the Nuggets in terms of out of those two, I guess you could throw the Lakers in there too, out of those three teams. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's a really great question. I, I think that um, you, know, you look at it, one of the things that Dallas does really well that the Nuggets have had a little bit of a hard time dealing with is that they run, they run spread pick and roll like to the max, right? So they, they, they five out everybody, that they, they play on the perimeter, and then Luka Doncic just has this ability to, I think, play horizontally across the perimeter to find guys everywhere. And Jokic, as great of a season as he's had, and as as much as he's made strides on the defensive end, he's still going to always have limitations there in terms of how much ground he can cover defensively just because of his athleticism. And, and Dallas is one of those teams, I think, that gives them a little bit of a hard time because of the way that they that they run the pick and roll. Now, conversely, they don't have anybody that can guard Nikola Jokic. And not, a lot of teams don't, but but Dallas is he, – he has feasted against Dallas in his career. And so to me, that, that is a matchup that I think would still ultimately favor them. Um, the, the thing with the Trailblazers is the Nuggets have a better roster. Even with Jamal Murray out, the Nuggets have a better overall roster than the Blazers do. Um, but Damian Lillard just scares me in the playoffs. Um, he, yeah, he's a guy sure. that can sure. absolutely answer the bell at any time and go win you a game. Um, you know, put, put the team on his back, go score 50 if he needs to. And he's shown that time and time again during his playoff career. He showed it two years ago when, when the Blazers beat the Nuggets in seven games, a series that, you know, Denver should have won. And, and they kind of let that slip away. Of course, that was their first time through the playoffs, right? So that, that's such a thing as you have to – I mean, I'm sure you guys saw that as your own teams kind of went through it, um, that those first times you're in the playoffs, like it's just, it's just a different feel. You, you, there's just a lot of um, – there's a lot of, like, things you have to learn. And so the Nuggets are now just such a much more experienced team that I think they can overcome – that onslaught, I, you know, I, I would pick them to win either one of those first round series against Dallas or Portland um, probably go six, six games at least. Um, but I, I, if I had to pick between those two, I, I think Dallas would be the team that I'd want to face again. I just think that Nikola Jokic in that series is just going to be um, a, a whole lot more, you know, impactful. And I, and I also think that Dallas, 
you'll miss Jamal Murray a little less against Dallas than you would against against the play, the Blazers just yeah. because uh, again you need that scoring from him. I think Michael Porter Jr. has a good matchup against the Mavericks, uh, and obviously he's a guy that's been averaging twenty plus points a game ever since Murray went down. So that that would be my pick, Sam. That it'd be it'd be close. What what um you know I'm curious what what are just kind of your guys' take on that on on who who you guys want the Nuggets to to, to see to see in the first yeah. Game? So we were we were talking about this like the other day. Um, so, like you said, Dame Dame Lillard just he just scares me. He's a he's he's damn near unstoppable. So, I mean, and I think the uh, the the Mavericks the, their roster and just just the matchups like side by side. I think the Nuggets kind of outweigh them in in those areas. But I just really don't think um, we have too many guys who can who can really just sit down and 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 really contain Dame Lillard. So I think that's, that's really what it comes down to is, 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 uh, is Dame. Yeah. And that's a, that's a thing. I think you're right on that. Tyson is like the, you know, in terms of the coverage, I, I think that would be a series where they would miss your guy too, Sam. And, and I'm, I'm the yeah. same way. Corey Harris for me was just the ultimate consummate pro. Um, you know, I'm still close with, with one of his, you know, his longtime trainer. Um, you know, we text all the time. He, he's a guy that just, did everything that you needed to and did not care a damn about the, like the accolades of it or anything yeah. like that. I mean, just, just the ultimate pro. And, and, and it, uh, trust me guys, it, it killed Tim Conley to, to trade Gary Harris. It, it really yeah. did. And it was, it's, it's that side of it. Cause the nuggets have built such a cool culture where it real. I mean, you hear that in sports all the time. They talk about family, but for the nuggets, man, it really, that really is how they've built this thing. They haven't, they haven't built it on these like splashy free agents they've drafted and they they've developed, they've made a couple of key free agent acquisitions, but it's, it's been kind of this core team for the last six, seven years. And so that was tough. And, and look, they, they probably don't win that game, that first round series against Utah last year. If Harris doesn't come back and play the kind of defense he did on, on Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles. So he's that, that's one where not having Gary Harris in, in a matchup against, you know, CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard, uh, that'd be tough. So again, I think out of those two, um, you know, give me, give me the Mavericks a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree 100% with what you're saying. And like during my time at UNC, obviously played for coach Linder who like recruited Dame, um, to Weber and he kind of right. talked a lot about him. And so then, you know, over the years, I kind of started to watch him more and more and just kind of like what you and Tyson both were saying, like, you could just tell, like when it, when it really comes down to time to make a play or time to win a game, like he's obviously someone you don't want to be on, on the floor with, um, I also like the Mavericks for the Nuggets too, just in the sense of like kind of that second round matchup. I would rather like honest, I know the Jazz are the one seed right now, but I still would rather see the Nuggets play the Jazz in the semifinals as compared to, you know, the likes of the Clippers, the Lakers, somebody along those lines. Um, I think that would just be kind of a better draw for them. Yeah. The, the, the one thing I'll say on that is that I, I think if the Nuggets can be the three seed, um, you know, it's, it's a situation where, um, they could get the Suns in the second round and Phoenix obviously has had such an incredible season. They remind me of the nuggets of, of a couple years ago, that team we were talking about that, like that was when they splashed on that they, they had never made the playoffs and all of a sudden they're the two seed that that's sort of exactly the, the kind of the, the season that Phoenix has had. But when you get to a second round against a team with a bunch of young players, it's, it's their first time there. Um, obviously Chris Paul has been in that situation a million times and he's, he's a big part of the reason why they've had the season they've had. But I would still say, hey, you know, again, this Phoenix team, second round, 
Um, you know, that, that would to me be a slightly better second round matchup as opposed to um, the jazz. I mean, the jazz is gonna be such a, it would be such a great series just because of the way those two teams play each other. Yeah. Every single time. It'd be cool. To, it would be kind of cool to see a rematch of that series from last year. Although again, it's such a bummer that Jamal Murray won't be a part of that because he and Mitchell were, you know, again, yeah. that, that was the best series of all yeah, the playoffs yeah. last year by far. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, so that, that'll be, again, that'll be kind of a unique, a, a unique thing to see. Cause they're going to get some new opponents this year. Like they're either going to play the, they're going to either play the Mavericks who they haven't played in the playoffs. They're going to play the Suns. They're going to play the, you know, obviously they played the jazz, but there, there's going to be some, some new blood in here and, and, and who knows how the play in thing's going to go. So it's right. just, yeah. it's one of those situations. Um, right. But let, let me ask you, Sam, I'm curious because you, you brought it up about Linder. Um, what, what I mean, what kind of how, how did a guy like Dame go undetected? I mean, did he tell you guys stories at all about like how that how that recruitment went? Yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, Coach Linder was one of those dudes where he was always just really talented. He just had a knack for finding really good talent, like under the radar talent. Um, and I think like Dame was just one of those cases. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a million different stories out there, but I mean, I think he kind of was just one of those. He just could see it right away. And he was one of those dudes where I think he trusted his eye more than anything. He wasn't a big believer in, you know, rankings and politics and all that kind of thing. He just, you know, if he, if he liked somebody with his own eye, then he was going to go after him. And I think that was just kind of the case with Dame. And I think he kind of got on board quicker than a lot of people did. And then it ended up, you know, panning out the way that it did. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what he would just say something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Dame, you know, Dame's thing forever in his career has been about loyalty. And so yeah. if he had a guy like, like Jeff, who was on him from the very start, like that's just the way he rolls. Like if, yeah. if you, you kind of, if you're, if you put your trust in him and you roll with him, he's going to be with you forever. That's why he's never going to leave the trailblazers. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of the, the way that he, the way that he moves. Yeah, definitely. 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 Um, so we talked about um, Jokic obviously and MPJ and Aaron Gordon. Is there um, another, another guy who, who can kind of, come onto the scene and, and, and be an X factor for the, for the Nuggets. Well, I'm fascinated to see what Faku Campazo is going to look like in the playoffs, right? Faku! I mean, is, <laughs> Faku. I mean he, he's a guy that, you know, everybody loves because he like looks like your next door neighbor, right? Or, you know, or your dad or whoever, you know, he's just like, you know, just this, this guy who, you know, I've gone back and at times I'm like, this guy, he's just simply not, not big enough. And, and I, you know, worried at the beginning of the year about his, about his shot making, but he's, again, he's every time he's a guy that you seem to need something from him in, in a big way. And, and he delivers it and, you know, can his defensive style of just sort of, you know, being kind of that pest, can that be a thing that he sustains during the playoffs? And, and can it be a situation where, um, you know, that, that can overcome any other physical limitations that he has. I, I think he's been playing really, really well ever since moving into the starting lineup. It's going to be interesting to me to see if Michael Malone leaves him there as opposed to, um, you know, putting Monte Morris back in that position who was starting, um, you know, until he got, until he got his hamstring injury. Um, but Monte Morris obviously just got back. So I think to me, how are those two point guards going to play? That, that's the biggest thing I think is that, Obviously, we know they're not going to score like Jamal Murray did. That's not that's not their game. Um, but but they also don't necessarily need that, right? Because because Michael Porter Jr. has elevated his role and and he's been extremely efficient, and that's been a big part of the reason why the Nuggets have held water and then some after Jamal Murray went down. Um, so, but but that being said, they're going to need to play well. They're going to need to kind of defend above their weight a little bit, and they're going to need to. 
Um, you know, again, just be solid. Like, can they hit 40% of the three point jumpers? Um, you know, can they get to the line a little bit? Can they, can they force turnovers? Like both of them have the knack for doing so that, that to me is kind of my X, X factor, um, of, of seeing how those two guys combined and, you know, and even if PJ Dozier gets healthy and, and is able to play, um, you know, hit him too, but, but that position, how they, how they kind of tread water without Murray to me is going to be one of the, the interesting subplots of the playoffs for Denver. Yeah, for sure. I'm a I'm a big Monte Morris Morris fan, and and I, I think that um just having him back in the in the lineup will be will be will be huge just to get a little bit more help on from that uh, lead guard position for sure. Got it, Sam. I got a story for you because you're a Michigan State guy. Oh yeah. Um, so Monte Morris, when he oh, was, dude, he was the one that Izzo let get away, man. Yep, he grew up and he grew up in his backyard, right? So Flint, yeah, Michigan, yeah, grew up kind of in his in his in his backyard, so to speak. And I I once talked to a coach of of Monte's right after he got drafted by the Nuggets a, a few years ago, um, and he essentially said that when Monte was about eight or nine years old, he was at this this camp. Um, you know, I, I can't remember what the camp was, but it, Izzo was there, and it was Izzo was there to like, it, it was a it was a camp for high schoolers, but Monte, yeah. you know. He, in the gym all the time. Didn't matter where, what it was. And Monte goes up to Izzo and kind of tugs on his sleeve and says, um, you know, Hey, my name is Monte Morris and you're going to know me one day. Cause you're going to recruit me. And, you know, just told him that as like an eight or nine year old kid, <laughs> and, and Izzo kind of laughed. And then I, and of course, ultimately he didn't and Monte or he did recruit him ultimately didn't recruit him to the point of offering him. Um, you know, Monte said that for whatever reason, he had this amazing high school career in Flint, Michigan and won state championships. But for whatever reason, every time Izzo came to watch him, he didn't play well. And yeah. he said, so that's part of the, reason he thought he didn't ultimately pull the trigger, but he goes, um, you know, I talked to, I talked to Izzo a little while ago, a couple of years ago before playoffs. I think I was talking to him for a story I was actually doing on, on, on Gary Harris and, um, Izzo basically just says, yeah, that, that was, that's one of, that's one of my biggest recruiting uh, misses since I've been coached there, but you know, it worked out. It worked out for all sides. Monte obviously had an incredible oh, career. Oh man, that's, that's that's funny. Cool. Yeah, because I think right when Monte was at I uh, Iowa State, that was when Michigan State like they had a point guard, um, but it was like Cassius was like younger. They didn't really have like yeah. a go to. Like Monte would have been perfect on those teams. So yeah. that uh, oh yeah, that hurts. The way he but... plays, I mean, he would have been a perfect Izzo player. Oh, like yeah. that. Perfect. That's the kind of irony of it all is that he. I mean, he would have been that that guy who was from that area, but you know, that it's, it's the way it falls sometimes, but yeah. it, it seems like there's no bad, bad blood there. Monte laughs about it now, but uh, he's, oh. yeah, he, and he's a dog. Like he's going to oh, be a yeah. guy as long as he's mm-hmm. healthy. Um, it, it's, but it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride. I mean, the playoffs in general, like seeing this, how this playing thing is going to go, um, you know, it, it's just going to be, I think a lot of fun. My last question here is like, so when you look at the Western conference, obviously it's super talented, um, but you kind of add in sort of a different dynamic this year and that, you know, each team's going to have different attendance and each team's going to be allowed different amount of fans. Kind of talk a little bit about how you think that's going to play a role in this year's postseason, just with the different attendance and home court advantages and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, it was interesting the first game back that the Nuggets had or the first game this year where they had, they brought fans back. I think it was only like 2,500 fans. And you guys have been to, you guys have been to ball arena a bunch of times. You, you know how big that place is. 
2,500 doesn't seem like a, a lot, kind of a drop in the bucket in terms of that place's overall capacity. Um, but they were both, uh, all the nuggets afterwards were just saying how much of a lift it felt like to actually be playing in front of somebody. Like you don't play basketball, you know, ever really to just like not play in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. You get to that sort of level. And it's like, that's why, you know, that's part, that's not why you do it, but it's a big part of why you, you know, get excited to go to the gym every night. You know, you guys, yeah. some of your most fun, you know, I, I went to games at your guys' schools, especially Sam, that the the one year get you year you guys were really making a push for it. Some of those games at Rock Hand, I mean, it's just the atmosphere is incredible. Oh, yeah. It really does still, shift. I still never found it at like you still don't ever find something like that. You know, it's just those atmospheres. I, I get one hundred percent what you're saying. Yeah, like it, it completely it completely moves you. It, it seems to me as I've been kind of canvassing it that most arenas there is going to be some slight differences. Um, you know, we know that the Nuggets are going to get a little bit over. I th- think I want to say 40% capacity. They're going to have over 7,500 fans. Um, so, so they're, they're going to have more than they did during the regular season. Um, you know, I, I see some arenas are going to have about half full, but it's going to be, I think generally the same. Uh, but I do think that home court advantage is going to play, going to play a role a little bit in that just because again, it's, it's definitely more than zero. It's different than the bubble. Um, you know, the bubble like home court advantage literally was non-existent. That was one of the weirdest things about the playoffs in general last year. I still don't, I, I still don't think it's going to be to the degree where like just the thunderous crowd can literally change the outcomes of games because of the way that they're moving. But, but I do think it'll have a bigger impact than it did obviously in the bubble and, and that it did in the regular season as well. So it's, I'm just glad, man. I'm just glad that there's going to be fans back. I'm, I'm going to a Rockies game tonight for the first time. Like it's like my first, you know, first time as a fan at a sporting event and however long, um, you know, I'm just glad we're getting closer and closer to this. And hopefully this is the last season where there's, you know, even one less fan in the building. No. Yeah. We, we went to a Rockies game on Thursday and it, it was, yeah. it, was, it, was it was electric was, to be back electric in, the in there for sure. You guys so. anywhere near was, so was Thursday, Thursday was the Reds or was Thursday the Padres still? No, Thursday was the Reds. It was okay, a game so where they got up like 10 0 Reds came back, made a 10 eight. Then they had like three late runs to finish on like 13 eight. Okay. The Rockies. Won. <laughs> I was just making sure you guys weren't in the mix of that, like uh, Padres guys running around like bull cocking guys. Oh God, we uh, yeah, I don't know what I would have done if I would have been anywhere near that. That was ridiculous. I mean, and the, I think like you know, I I heard that I heard some story about how like that started because a guy that the Padres dude was with, and for those of you who didn't see it, basically it was this viral video where a Padres fan just walked up to a Rockies fan and just like. I I don't know if you'd call it a sucker punch because he saw him coming from a while, a while away, but like just straight up, like just, knocked him out. Like there wasn't, knocked, yeah, it wasn't even like just knocked him out straight like, out him. on his feet, like out cold. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, I read that like the reason that there was kind of a, a scuffle between those fans is that there was a Padres, like older guy who would kept like vaping in the middle of the stands. And everybody said, Hey man, stop. Like there's kids around, like you're not supposed to be doing it anyway. Security kept telling them not to, and they eventually like kicked him out. And so, you know, Rockies fans were cheering, like, thank you. I'm glad we got this guy out of here. And so apparently this, this Padres guy, Padres, Mike Tyson got like, he had a little bit of a, I guess, took umbrage with the fact that like, it, I think he thought they were booing him. I mean, he probably had like, probably had a few adult beverages in him or whatever, but uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. both guys involved definitely both did. did. For sure. Oh, I didn't realize it was over a, a vaping incident. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That's so, breaking news to us. Uh, I, I haven't heard that story. That's pretty funny. So anyway, yeah. So, you know, like everybody like that, but look, man, we, we've all been wanting to go to sporting events for a year plus. Like, can't we all just go and just have a good time and maybe. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. 
no that's no, that's, yeah, that's, no, that's that's that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> hopefully hopefully we'll see we won't see any violent uh assaults in section 230 at any nuggets games in this postseason <laughs> is that what you guys are gonna be uh, i don't know that was just no, the first section that popped into my head we'll, <laughs> hopefully we can get in but we'll see well yeah well yeah no it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i'm just glad uh I'm just glad they're back at it, man. No, definitely, definitely. Well, well, Nick, I have uh, I have one more one more question for you. So, um, looking at your at your Twitter bio, it says warning um, tweets about sneakers. And as a as a big sneaker guy myself, I just uh, just tell let the let the listeners know your your top three your top three shoes in your closet right now. This is big. We're we're curious to hear this. Uh, no, yeah, I, the, so, the, this has been like viewers, five years in the making of me wanting to ask you this. No, so yeah, the, the viewers thing- are ready for this. <laughs> So the funny thing about this thing is that like, I used, you know, you guys knew I, I'm, I'm huge into it, have been for a long time, but I'll tell you one thing that you guys will know down the road is that when you have a kid, like it all kind of like changes. So now my, <laughs> favorite, my favorite shoes are the ones that I have for, for my son who just turned two a couple, a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Um, and I, so, so my favorite right now, I, I got the matching Jordan three, the Georgetown uh, Jordan threes that just came out a little while ago. Um, I got a pair for myself and for him so that we could have the matching, the matching. Oh, Jordan. there we go. That, that's, 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 that's dope. That's dope that's, there. That's definitely my number one for right now. Um, and then my, I'm mostly though, like a Jordan one guy. And so the, the main things right now in my closet, this new closet I set up is just like, you know, kind of a rainbow of Jordan one colors. And so the uh, Jordan one breads, um, the, you know, the black and red, anytime you go OG colorway is the way to go. So that, that's probably my second. And then, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get a pair of the, call me a hype beast, but a pair of the Travis Scott ones. Um, Ooh, okay. So, so the game now though, just cause you know, you, you buy a new house, you have a kid, all of a sudden your priorities change a little bit, but what about you guys? What, like, what's your Holy grail? If you, if you, if you could have any one pair of sneakers, what would it, what would it be that you don't have already? I'll let Tyson go. Tyson's more Tyson's the bigger shoe guy than I am. I'm a I'm recently Sheesh. just working back into the Nike game because I was on Under Armour for a while, so That's I got to right. figure out. And you were you were Adidas and well, yeah. I mean, you, and Nike's were, always been kind of my go tos, and so I got to figure out kind of what direction I want to go in terms of getting back into Nike. So that's I I, I got to figure some stuff out before I even come close to answering that question. Tyson, ah man, that's a that's like the toughest. I um really I'd probably say some some bread ones, but I mean just the way that that uh I, I blame it on TikTok really. Um just you can't you can't you can't find a pair of ones for for a, a, a for for retail anymore. It's, it's crazy. Oh that, not, not only does like retail, you'd be lucky if you can get them for like double retail. Yeah, it's um, it's actually ridiculous. You know, and then and then you try to get them on like the the sneaker app or whatever, but yeah. nobody it's like it's like seeing a leprechaun. Like you, you don't, you know, somebody tells you that they saw one and you're just like, okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so no, was- for real. I think, I think a, a PSA to StockX right now, um, sponsor us. We're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to make it big. So just, just give, hit us with a sponsorship, nothing too crazy. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and throw, throw Nick Cosmoder on there as well. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Hey, hey, we'll, we'll push, we'll push it. We'll push it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Well, Nick, we really appreciate you coming on, man. This is awesome. This was a really cool interview for us, mainly because obviously it's been so long since we've caught up, but it was really cool just to chop it up with you. We'll definitely, uh, we'll have to have you on the show soon. Um, hopefully I'm not 
on Sports Center tomorrow and I see a video of you knocking some guy out at the Rockies <laughs> game uh, tonight. But we'll see what we can do, man. We'll definitely uh, keep in touch and hope to have you on soon, man. Awesome, man. I'm a lover, not a fighter. So you guys, want to see <laughs> yeah. There we go. Everybody hey, love everybody. Everybody love awesome everybody. Awesome being man. with you guys, man. I, I miss being around the gym, and, and hopefully we can uh, do it again soon. Yeah, definitely. Sure. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. That's the playoffs. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, All appreciate right. you. All right.